may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Hopefully a less negative episode of View from the Ninian this week As Cardiff actually won a football match A 1-0 win against Rotherham on Saturday Kind of sets relief shockwaves through the Cardiff City fan base. Here to dissect it with me as usual, Ben Price and Tom Phillips. Ben Price, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for asking. No one ever asks me normally. Um, we do this every week. Tom Phillips, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you very much. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Two, 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 two <laughs> asks today. Thank you very much, everyone. I'm a little hungover, I must admit, um, but I'm not in as much pain as you, Tom, as you've broken your toe. Yeah, nothing to do with alcohol either. I'm just a very, very clumsy man. Uh, ben, any broken bones for you this week? No, um, iced last week. Um, but oh, fine. Josh, you were injured last week. Tom's yeah. injured this week. Uh, next week it's my turn. Um, touch wood, I don't actually get any injuries yeah, yeah. next week. Um, anyway, Ben, let's start with a win against Rotherham. It was only 1-0, but it felt like a huge win, didn't it? Yeah, and it, the improvement was massive. I think all around the performance was just a hundred times better than what we sort of put up with the last few weeks. Help that we managed to keep 10, 11 players on the pitch for more than 20 minutes. It's always mm-hmm. a big bonus, but um, yeah, a big, big relief at full time, I think. Um, Tom, it was 1-0, um, but it could have been a lot more. I think it was something like 19 chances, 10 on target. Um, it, it feels like we're going back to the start of the season when we're talking about how concerning it is that we aren't putting away our chances, but with Robinson out, it is going to be a concern, isn't it? Yeah, we always knew that we were going to struggle a little bit in front of goal. But, you know, we created chances, which was great. Um, we know that there's a few players in our squad who blow a little bit hot and cold um, when it comes to putting the ball in the back of the net. But I think the best thing about it is we, we didn't have a shot on target against us. And yes. I think, you know, we were solid. It was um, We didn't look like losing the game. You know, there was times we thought the goal wasn't going to come. But I think defensively, we were absolutely sound and... I think that's what we needed after three tough results in a row, just to put in a performance like that, a steady performance, a home win against a team we should be beat in. I think, you know, like you said in the intro, it calms the nerves of the fan base a little bit because we were all a little bit wound up after last week. And I think that's the ideal kind of performance to bring us back down a, a couple of levels. Uh, Fotmob gave keeper a man of the match, Ben. Um, we're going to talk about this after the goal, but we can talk about it now because it's uh, already been mentioned. But him and NG were back. Um, NG coming back obviously just steadies the ship a little bit. He's very solid. Keeper is a good defender, but do you think having someone a lot like NG alongside him brings the best out of Keeper? Last week against Swansea, he looked very shaky, um, but having someone like NG alongside him seems to solidify him a little bit. I think it's just familiarity, isn't it? He knows what NG's done. They've built up a really good relationship. Um, you look at all successful sides like Cardiff or just around the world, they normally have a strong, successful uh, pairing. My dog's just walked in. What are you doing? Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's, that spoiled the surprise. We have a guest on tonight's podcast. It's uh, Ben's dog, uh, Rollo. Um, Rollo, what did you think of that performance? He doesn't seem that impressed. Um, but yeah, it's just Damn building it. that familiarity with any centre-back pairing sort of helps just make everyone look a lot more calmer, a lot more sort of just ready to go on and kick on and sort of put in a better performance really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Tom, 
we kind of talked about players blowing hot and cold. Um, two of the players that do blow the most hot and cold the card of this season, Filigin and Ojo, combined for the goal. Uh, I could see you were struggling with my segue there, but um, uh, I got there. <laughs> um, <laughs> both were, you know, contributions into the goal. Is it now with Robinson out with, you know, question marks over the production up front, is it is it important that they start both producing more? I mean, Ojo has been a big source of frustration, but it was nice to see him have a goal disallowed and, you know, be, a, be an important part in the goal that we did score. I've never heard someone say it's nice to see someone have a goal disallowed, but I know what you mean. Yeah, nice to see him have a chance, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, you know, he, he missed a chance as well, Ojo, and it's just, it's typical from him, really. I think the, the goal itself, though, you know, it showed a, a hell of a lot of composure. You know, he, three Rotherham defenders effectively went the wrong way. Yeah. You know, and to, to have the ball in the box like that, you know, make a bit of time for yourself and curl into the top corner as he did. It was a fantastic goal. But, and, and um, you know, Romeo was involved in that as well, you know, and... Good to he, see him back. Exactly. Like, and to be fair, fair play to Hudson for making two subs. Yeah. You know, he he saw it wasn't working. And I've been quick to criticise him in, in the past where I don't think subs have been fantastic at times. But, you know, it wasn't working. We needed a bit more width. We needed a bit more pace out there. And he sorted it out. And... You know, Romeo's involved in the goal. So, no, I think it was a really, really satisfying goal all around. And, you know, it, it just showed a bit of composure we've lacked in the last few weeks. It was the hardest of all the chances we've sort of had that mm. against Rotherham as well. It was just the most complicated goal. And I just didn't know, my stream froze as he scored. <laughs> so, I, so it sort of left. And I didn't know if it was getting saved or if it was hit in the back of the net. And that was really funny. But, um, yeah, it was just one of those games I just, Everything sort of seemed to make difficult for each other. And Hudson's subs made a huge difference. And I thought at halftime it was a bit harsh because Sang was decent. Yeah. Um, and Konku did well going forward, but again, was a bit shaky at the back. So fair play to Hudson looking at it and going, right, this isn't working. How can we make it work? Can we make a difference? And taking a player who didn't, Sang did nothing wrong and Konku didn't do anything wrong to be subbed off. It was just the manager making a good tactical change and it worked perfectly. Sometimes, you know, it's better to be decisive, isn't it? Then you could have left that another 15 minutes and the game might not have turned out in the same way. So for him to to make those big decisions and, you know, yeah, it, it probably harsh on the players to be sacrificed, but it's, it's, it's for the good of the team, isn't it? So it has to be done. Um, on the goal, Ben, um, it was it, I, when I saw it back today, um, again, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that Wits goal against Borough, right? You know, he kind of got the ball under his feet, t- t- had to kind of rejig himself a little bit and managed to get it through the smallest gaps. Um, obviously, Philogene played for Villa as well, so maybe the comparisons don't stop there, but it was a, a really nice goal, wasn't it? It was a lovely finish. Um, just composed as well. I didn't really think he had. At times, Philogene sort of struggled to look... He's very raw, isn't he? Yeah, and bring out the quality that he's clearly got. He's clearly like, there's something there, but he sort of struggled to do it, and when you see moments like that and that finish, you sort of know, you can sort of see why he's highly thought of at Villa and clearly would have done well at the end of 23 level. So hopefully now it's not just like, I think his first goal was a bit of a tap in. So hopefully this is more of a, in his own head shows, tells him that he can score at this level, can do good things at this level and kick on a bit because he's been a bit for like, well, like all our wingers, he's been a bit frustrating so far this season. So yeah. Um, really well. Tom, on the, the kind of tactics around yesterday's game, it, it was definitely more attacking. But I think one of the things I noticed from the stats was that we were back to a kind of high volume of passes. So 401 accurate passes yesterday compared to recent weeks, which is, you know, dipped below 200 for the first time. It feels like, you know, when when we go back to the Burnley game, the Burnley game, we, we passed it around a lot. The intervening games, we seem to have moved away from that. Is it 
is it good to see us going back to that high volume of passes to kind of show the intent with the ball when we have it? Yeah, but like Ben mentioned earlier, it's because we had 11 men on the field as well. Mm. You know, like there's no like there's no coincidence our passes drop on the other oh, many players. But like, I think what over the last couple of weeks as well, you forget like how well we kind of played in the first few games under Hudson. You know, we yeah. played well against Blackburn as well. Um, and yeah, it's nice to see normal service resumed. And it wasn't passing for passing's sake. At times we were, you know, they, like you said, the intent was there. We we were throwing men forward, and we should have scored more goals. That was the only thing that was frustrating from yesterday was we should have scored a couple more but like performance wise you can't really fault it I thought we played really really well from start to finish we were just yeah. solid and like I said earlier that's just what we wanted from yesterday like normally you wouldn't be ecstatic at like just a 1-0 win against Rotherham but it, it it's a huge one from momentum I think yeah. if we even drawn that game there would have been a real stink around the club still and it, it, it's huge um, and yeah and the, the way we played, the, the passing style of it was another bonus on top. Then the final point I had around this game was that we had a high volume of corners in yesterday's game as well. There were 10 corners, but it's, a, it's kind of a broader point. We just don't seem to be the same team as we were from corners, right? Obviously, the last couple of years, we've had Flint, Morrison up there, and they would guarantee you a couple of goals. But this year, we just don't seem to be as effective from corners, in my opinion. Well, we've only got how many players are over six foot? Keeper, I think, I think is keeper in NG. NG might be topping out at six foot. Yeah, it's, we've lost a lot of height from that back line, and um, it's just I think it's just boils down to that. I think the set piece delivery has probably been better this year than yeah. it's been for a while. Um, I think Wintel's free set piece has been really good, and so have Rawls's. So to go from there, um, it's yeah, a shame, just, really, isn't it? We've got good corner takers now, but not the players to take advantage of it. It is, it is for it, it is at those points you sort of think it'd be nice to do that, but. I'd rather have what we've got now and sort of than go back to that sort of dinosaur sort of era. I think, like you see, Sean Morrison's in and around the club again, like he's there match days um, with tracksuit and stuff. So he's clearly not too far away from sort of making well, he's got a contract. And hopefully ask... No, but you can short term till Jan- short term from January, sign him on. Oh, no, he's a free agent, so you can sign him anyway. You can sign him, but do you think we will? I, I mean, I, would, I completely forgot he existed until the Swansea game when he was on the sidelines there. Do you think we will sign him? I, I 100% think we do. Um, not just for his ability on the pitch, but also like... we. That, He's just a top bloke. Great bloke. And cl- we, the club clearly lacks leaders. That new 17 new players, it takes a while for those sort of leaders to come out. You've got Joe Rawls as club captain, who's sort of, we've said a number of times, he's, he's not the loudest, he's not going to be the most vocal. Although he's getting better at it. I thought this was mm-hmm. the most led from the front from the Rotherham game was really, really good. Uh, Wintel's clearly got a bit about him. NG's got a bit about him, but he's scouse, so when he gets too angry, you can't hear him. Um, so it's just, <laughs> yeah, we just need players like that to come in, even if he doesn't, even if he only makes five appearances throughout the season, he's worth his weight in gold just for what he brings in around the changing rooms. What I will say about Joe Rawls has been that he's had a couple of lovely touches in the last week. He obviously had the coffee morning with the um, disabled sports club, um, which was really nice to see. And obviously there was a little video of him in the tunnel yesterday with all the mascots. And um, oh, he was class. really just like high-fiving them all, having a little chat with the guy he was walking out with. It was really sweet. And he, you could see how much like Joe Rawls is a proper club man, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's been in around the club for so long that he's just a proper, he's carded through and through now, even if he is from Aldershot. He just seems like a good bloke, doesn't he? Oh, he's, he's a lovely bloke. I the interactions I've, I've interviewed him and in the interactions I've had with him through Twitter, he's a really nice bloke. I think my favourite bit, though, is the bit like Rawls is talking and the kids sort of just... Do you remember when... I can't remember the Champions League game 
for Real Madrid, it was like Real Madrid versus someone, and there's in the change rooms, and Ronaldo walks past, and the kids, kids, George. Oh yeah, the jaw drops. The kid, the kid that next to Rawls is doing not quite the jaw hit the floor, but sort of looking up and really, really smirking. He's like, I'm next to Joe Rawls. How cool yeah. is this? I love that. There was also that one. Was it the, the in the Swansea Tunnel? You know, swear words and all that, where he stood next to Wayne Rooney and he looks him up and down. It's like he's like, oh my god, I'm stood next to Wayne Rooney. Um, but he's probably just delighted to be stood next to a normal person rather than another Jack. Um, I, I could have made a worse joke there, but I'm too hungover for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um. Tom, um, Sean Morrison, yes or no? You were nodding, but I want you to have your, your opinion as well. Yeah, because I suppose the listeners couldn't see me nodding. So yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I just want to make sure you verbalise yeah, it. That's good. Good hosting that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely. I think, like like Ben said earlier, we need leaders around the club, um, and he's ideal. You know, it's it's nice to have someone there who's been there a while, you know, knows what it's all about. And to be honest with you, like we are a little bit thin on the ground defensively every now and again, a couple of injuries, and we need we need someone to come in. So. I, I'm not sure what he'll be like in terms of he seems to have been getting slower and slower as the seasons have gone on. And I'm not sure what this injury would, would have done to him. But mm-hmm. I think just for the off-field stuff, I think he could be key. Well, we all worried about that with Bamba. And I think that's part of the reason that Saul didn't get a new contract mm. um, when he did, after he did his ACL. But then he went to Borough and he had a great season. He was really, really good. And they were really annoyed and he left the club. So... Hopefully the club will look at that and learn from that mistake as well and sort of go, look, there's a player there that would do a job for us. We may as well keep it. Yeah, I suppose, like, it's almost, it's, it, yeah, I think that's what it is at this stage, isn't it? It's, it's that experience, that leadership around the club that we're, we're so clearly lacking in a new team. But also there's the, the prospect of losing him completely on a free to a club that, you know, he could he could sign for anyone in our division. I, I don't know if he will, but he could go sign for a club in the division. Like, he's made his home in Cardiff. He could end up at Bristol or somewhere like that just because it's close to home, you know? And we, we, we give we give a player to a rival, then that's not going to be good for anyone, is it? Um, other players, other people who are sticking around, it seems like Mark Hudson is. Um, ben, uh, you know, all the talk over the last week has been Hudson's kind of sticking around until at least the World Cup. I mean, we, we don't seem in any rush. We've talked about on a week-to-week basis that we don't seem to be in any rush to kind of appoint someone from the outside. I think there was some movement in the bookies tables this week that Rob Edwards suddenly shot up the list, but that was probably one person making a bet on it because his market's so small. Um, obviously a bad couple of games, but yesterday's game was more encouraging. Do you Are you still happy with him to stay in charge? I think yesterday was an, obviously a better a, a better performance. He's a safe pair of hands. Are you happy to see him through to the World Cup? Yeah, I think it just goes back to last week, doesn't it? I don't I don't think the issue is with the manager who's in charge at the club. I think Hud's as good as anyone at the moment with what we're doing. It comes back down to communication from the ownership and the board and not telling us what the plan is. Mm-hmm. It's just that same thing again. We said it in McCarthy when McCarthy left. We said it even before Steve Morrison got made permanent manager. And now we're saying with Huds, we just need some idea of what to expect and just know. And the players need that as well. Like Joe Rawls came out and said, it doesn't really affect them, but that's bollocks. It's going to affect them at some stage. Yeah. It's, you're definitely, it's definitely going to play a factor if you don't know who your boss is. So we may as well keep them, but the club needs to come out and say, yeah, this is what we're doing. Because the, the lack of communication from the club at the moment, is, it's just getting worse and it stinks. Um. Tom, obviously, we've got the World Cup coming up. There's four games to the World Cup. Then we basically have until the January transfer window without football. Um, what Does Hudson need that clarity so he knows what he can do in January? Because there's a planning element to this as well, isn't there? Oh, for sure. I think, you know, like in terms of performance basis, I think it's been okay under Hudson. I think we had 
a terrible like three game run, but that's fine. It was good before that run and it's a good result yesterday. But in terms of like, yeah, like you said, continuity, you need that. You know, you need I, I'm sure he's doing some planning anyway, but you know, he can step it up a bit if he knows he's going to be there in January. It, it's just you know, when the board have come out and said, Oh, we're not actively looking for a new manager, but yet they haven't put him fully in charge. It's just it's a madness, really. So I think and and Ben hit the nail on the head. Like I know Joe Rawls has got to come out and say that it doesn't affect them, but it's bound to. It's 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 madness. Like, and the thing is, we need a little bit of consistency now as well. We can't just chop and change, chop and change and survive, really, in in the championship. So we need to know what's happening. Hudson needs to know what's happening, and so do the players, because this is an absolute circus at the moment. Well, you can plan, like you're saying, like Hudson might be planning, but you can't really, can you? You can't go to players and say, do you want to come sign for me? Yes, yeah, true. Knowing that you could be gone. By that yeah, point. and all the players got to say is, will you be here? And the second you say, I don't know. Yeah, I've got a clue. Um, yeah, it's that deal's dead in the water, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, and it's also like... <laughs> You know, players might come and want to play for him, and then a new manager comes in. They don't, you know, get on with that manager, or whatever it may be. It could just cause even more problems within the squad. We already heard it with Morrison, right? When they said that a lot of people signed for Morrison, they signed for the project, and then that rug gets pulled underneath him. It just creates uncertainty for everyone. It just um, creates a bad mood around the club, doesn't it? It's again yeah. adds to the ill feeling, and the second the ill feeling to the club creeps into that dressing room, you're screwed. Yeah, and yeah. like you could feel it in the stands, right? Like there was wasn't many people there. It felt like one of those cup games that people don't care about. Choosing that against Carlisle. Yeah, was like the attendance? Because I don't reckon there was... Because tw- Rotherham, to be fair, didn't bring a lot down. But yeah, I yeah. don't think... There was not more than 12,000 people there. Now, there's a lot of season ticket holders who wouldn't have been there as well. Like, I think, because they count them anyway, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. So, uh, like, it felt flat, didn't it? Like, it felt really, really flat. And, again, that's why the win is big for us. Seven and a half thousand, they're saying. On I, I can't see bollocks. That. Yeah, it felt <laughs> real, real flat there. But all the photos you see after the game, like the stands, are, they're not even half empty anymore. No. They're, they're, they're falling below half empty. It can't be fun playing in that. No. Always, you can't, and you can't get an atmosphere. Like we can say the fans get behind the side, but it's hard to build an atmosphere. Like you look, you, when you go to the cup games, you can't get an atmosphere going because it's just. There's not enough people there. Yeah, you're in a bowl spread of out. such a big bowl, so spread out. You're never going to get anything going. Um, the club really need to look at this because, yeah, look, people, people. It's not even people are angry. They, like I said before, they don't Apathetic. care. Apathetic, yeah, and that's a, that's a really bad position to be in, especially going into a World Cup break and then going into a new year when the you know season tickets are going to have to go on sale. They're going to have to do something drastic with season tickets because cost of living and all that kind of stuff. That people aren't going to be able to afford them. People won't want to, be, to buy them if they're too expensive, and that'll see attendances drop even more. And then. It becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? The club doesn't get the revenue. Vincent Town has to invest more and it just becomes more money on the debt sheet. Well, and when it comes to that, you're com- competing against... You're competing against the FAW, aren't you? You're competing against the you're training ground with. And if you're looking on paper of reasons who to give your money to, at the moment, the FAW win hands down. The tickets aren't stupidly priced. Mm-hmm. They engage. I think there's success there. There's a plan there. There's clear vision. There's great communication. So... They tick all the boxes, whereas Cardiff City, there's well, not even a box to tick, is there? There's a nice the f- home kit, but other than that, there's nothing really that's going to encourage anyone to sort of take up a new season ticket next year. You don't have to get one either because you know it's not going to be full. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, and the I think the impetus that's, that's, isn't there, is there? That's the thing. Like you, you know, to cover the cost of a season ticket, you have to go to a hell of a lot of the games, 
so you're just going to pick and choose. So a game like Rotherham is the one that drops off, right? Like nobody's not, like not nobody. Like it's still you still want to go, but like that's the one that's going to drop off for the the people who want to dip in and out. That's the one you dip out, and I think that's the worry. Like as soon as the crowds get lower and lower and lower, less and less people are going to commit to that season ticket. Well, you're already struggling. You're already playing catch up because people over the last two years haven't been to games. Yeah, and they've discovered other things to do on a Saturday. That's true. That's true. So you've learned that fat people, we've all learned we can do without football on a Saturday if we don't want to. People have got the habit, and there's been enough reasons to ditch this club over the last 15 years. Um, I think this is yeah, the club just haven't caught up and re-engaged and just sort of given people a reason to come back. I thought we were going to try and be positive this week, but we're we're in the same. But we can be positive about on the pitch. On the pitch, yeah, it doesn't yeah. take away from what's going on. I'm joking. Week. It's, it's. I think that's what they're sort of hoping for as well, which is always a worry. Is they hope that the success on the pitch covers up their shortcomings behind. Oh, the of scenes. course. Like if you have a good footballing product, people are going to come and watch it anyway. But the the problem has been in the last few weeks is there hasn't been a good footballing product, and the club has been an absolute shambles off it. So it creates that perfect storm, right? If the football gets good again, people will people will want to go watch it. People will still go and watch it. It's just at the moment there's no reason to, as you say. I don't think as many will. I think people, are, like I said, I genuinely think people are so apathetic. I think even if we were sort of knocking on the playoffs towards the end of the season, I don't think you're pulling in a crowd of 25,000. I, th- I think you're underestimating how many floating voters live in Cardiff. Like, yeah. I, I've, I've always maintained that Cardiff City is one of the most fickle fan bases out there. I, I think it's probably because we're part of it, right? And we know it from, you know, from up and down. But when we got to the Premier League in red, the season tickets were sold out. Like everyone wanted to be there. And then the season after, when things started going bad, we dropped off to similar levels, 15, 16,000. And then as soon as we had the good success season under Warnock, we were selling out towards the end of that season, weren't we? When we got promoted. So if we get to the point where we're in the playoffs, we'll be hitting 25, 30,000. I have no doubt about that, really, because people want to be part of the success and they want to get in there for next season. If we did get to the playoffs, we're not going to get to the playoffs, though. That's the problem. Um, Talking about the next four games, Tom, obviously we've got four games now before the World Cup. We'll talk about Watford and Sunderland in a bit more detail as they're the most uh, pertinent ones later on. But we've got Watford, Sunderland, Hull, Sheffield United, a real mixed bag. Two teams you wouldn't expect to beat, two teams you think we can get some points from. Um, we're currently, I think, still 18th in the table. Um, oh no, 17th now. We've, we've got up a spot, take overtaken Hull. Where do you think we'll end up with those four games before the World Cup in the table? Do you think we'll be knocking on the mid-table door? Yeah, I think we'll be around that kind of 13th to 17th, 18th mark. And to be honest, I'd take that now. I think what would have been, or still could be horrific for us is if we find ourselves in that bottom three mm. going into the World Cup. So I think that is a real, you know, as a fan base, we're sitting on that for a good while, looking at that table with no movement. I think that could be a horrible, horrible place to be for morale. So I think, you know, I, a couple of wins in that, or maybe even one win and a draw, and we might find ourselves okay. But it's a, it's a big four games because, like I said, we really, really don't want to be in right in the relegation mix um, going into the new year. The league's mental, isn't it, this year, Ben? I'm looking at it now. We've got, yeah. we're in 17th on 21 points. Then there's only two points that separate us and 12th. Then there's only seven points that separate us to sixth. I mean, you've got Hull below us on 20 and then Stoke below on 19. It really is one win and you're jumping up a couple of places if all the other results go your way. Two wins, we could be we could literally be intent with two wins. It's wild, isn't it? It's it's I've I've not known a league like it. And I think I think what makes it even more interesting is that a couple of teams that everyone picked to be yeah. flying and sort of be the ones that sort of pushing away with it 
aren't really doing what you'd expect of them. I think the fact that West Brom, after 17 games of bottom of the league with 14 Mad. points, blows my mind with the players they signed in the summer. Yeah, they signed John Swift in the summer, biggest assist maker in the league last year. And he's struggling. If you were like looking to build a championship, sort of classic championship team, you look at some of the players West Brom got and you're thinking, yeah, they're the ones that you sort of built. Yeah. Like, look at getting in. So clearly there's issues there. So for them to be where they are, Huddersfield sort of, I think they were, most people expect them to be down there. Coventry will look almost Basket in last year. I know they've got two games in hand, but Borough, Stoke again. Everyone seems to, every year we all think Stoke are finally going to We'll never learn, will we? That's the thing. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's wild that how tight it is down the bottom, but even crazier how, what do you reckon? From Stoke, well, from Wigan upwards, they're genuinely thinking, well, we're not out of the playoff race just yet. No, I don't think, I think any club can, like, I know last season Forrest went from bottom to the playoffs in a similar sort of time frame. It might have been a few games before this, but Wigan up, you, you're right. There's, they, what, Wigan in, in 20th? 20th. Even Middlesbrough, they're only in seven, you know, 17 points, but whatever. It's just like you have to draw a line somewhere. They're in, they're in 20th with 19 points and they're only nine off the playoffs. And all it takes in this division, we've seen it in the championship. Like you put together a run of 10 games, all of a sudden your fortunes turn around massively. We saw it last year with Mick McCarthy. When he came in, we put together an eight-game, ten-game run where we seemed to win, win or draw a lot of games. And we went from a similar position we are now to on the door of the playoffs. So it can happen. It's just crazy how open it is, though, and just points from everyone. And te- te- some teams are starting to fall away. I think you look at Reading sort of... Reading have dropped massively. Reading have plummeted, and I think they're going to end up where we sort of thought they would towards the end of the season. It's a false start for them. But, yeah, other than that, no one's really... No one's putting a huge run together but not many teams are in absolutely stinking form either. It's very inconsistent across the board. I think Tom. as well, like as a fan then, you get lulled into panicking a bit. So like last week you're going, oh shit, relegation. Yeah. And then, honestly, after beating Rotherham at home 1-0, I'm going, oh, we're not that Promotion. Yeah, and it, it is absolutely draining. And it's going to be like this all season, I think. Like it is all, I know the championship is always close. But this year, there's there's a couple of real quality teams in our league. But outside I mean, of that, you got, you got you got Burnley. I think QPR are good, and I think Sheffield United, Norwich are all pretty good. Yeah, and then but the rest that, are pretty much much of a muchness. It's madness. Like it, it really, really is. Like it is open, and it, like really, really open. And you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if West Brom are not far off the playoffs at some point if they get their act together. Like it, it anything could happen in this season, and that's what the worrying thing is. If we don't get our house in order. Yeah. We could be well, in the wrong end of that. Yeah, exactly. So it it's going to be a real, real tough season to watch, no matter what end of the table you're in. I just clicked on, you know, you've got the last five fixtures uh, on the table on the BBC website. Yeah, every team is almost identical, apart from I'm looking at it, Burnley and Blackburn are the top two. But yeah, most teams are sort of very. Everyone's beating very everyone, aren't they? Runs. It's it's mental. Not one team. Well. Burnley, the only team unbeaten in their last five. It's, it's exciting, though, because Coventry could go bust, and that would be good, because that would take one relegation place away from the league. Um, that's, that's a horrible way of looking at it. No, it is horrible. I, I don't I mean that. I, they were going through some shit at the moment. They're under an embargo now, and they're going to have to play at Walsall uh, for the next couple of weeks, because they've um, their ground. Oh, I miss the that. people... The company that runs their ground have gone into administration, so they well, can't so use their the ground. The company that owns Wasps have... Wasps have gone under. Yeah. Mm. And the I also get they, their linked. 
the stadium is owned by the same it's a sister company of wasps and they're God. about to go into administration as well which then puts means coventry can't fulfill their home games if the stadium's under embargo they can't do anything to the stadium so you've got a thirty-five thousand seat stadium in the center of coventry sort of rotting away yeah. And Coventry again, what for the third time in less than ten years, oh, playing fun. away from their home ground, and they'll be at the best cut. Yeah, which is the played... best ground you can see from the motorway, in my opinion. <laughs> like it's bad because they played at Northampton and then they played at Birmingham. Like Sorry, I, don't, I don't think it's called the best cut anymore. Is it? I think it's called the Poundland Stadium. No way, is it? It's sponsored by, um, yeah, the Poundland Best Cut Stadium. Oh, that's great. To be the Bolton are sponsored by Home Bargains. Yeah. Well, they play at the <laughs> University of Bolton Stadium, don't they? Yeah. Um, anyway, moving swiftly on to the Wikipedia, who's this Cardiff City player history trivia of the week? I honestly don't think you'll get this one. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a tough one. and I'm not really giving you much uh, to play with here. So um, here we go. Uh, it's under personal life on the man's Wikipedia page. This player met his wife, Anna, while playing for Cardiff. After his retirement from football, the pair opened their own furniture store in Chorley. That's it. That's what you're getting. You um, are. You forgot to do it, didn't you? I did, yeah. And I, I knew <laughs> I knew this player had like a bit of an interesting post-football career. How do you um, pick that? Yeah, that's all I can think of. I'll be very surprised if either of you get this. I wanted to say Tony Capaldi, but it's not. I'm just going to say Andrew Taylor. No, he was he was platinum players a few weeks ago, wasn't he? Oh, he was. I damn it! Use him twice. <sighs> um, Guido Bergstaller. Open a furniture store in Chorley. In Chorley, yeah. <laughs> his career is nomadic. I don't. I don't actually know what happened to him after he left Cardiff. To be honest, he went. He went. He, he, went, he, he, went well, to he? he was banging him in at Schalke. Yeah, almost twenty goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll look him up. Uh, Tom, do you want to have a guess? Uh. Um, no, I don't actually. <laughs> Can't think of anyone. Go on. It's Mark, it's Mark Bonner. Mark Bonner. Uh, everyone confuses him with the Mark Bonner who manages Cambridge, I think, but no, different Mark Bonner. Um, this Mark Bonner was born in Ormskirk. Mark Bonner. I think this might die soon. I should have let it die this week, really, shouldn't I? Look, I, yes. I, made, I made a good one last week. I saved it, and then Ben's come back in and tanked it. Why have I tanked it? I'll have a go next week then. Why not? All right, you can do it. That's allowed. Yes. Um, moving swiftly on to the Twitter questions. Um, we had one from last week that I didn't touch on that I thought was interesting. Uh, it came after the, the pod was recorded from Josh Morrill. Um, he says, how is it so few Cardiff City managers move on with an enhanced reputation? If you compare them to previous Swansea managers, we're miles apart. Um, Tom, I can't think of a Cardiff manager who left us and went on to... A bigger and better thing in recent years like Malky went to Wigan now he's at Ross County uh, Neil Harris is now at Gillingham um, one, one after Malky who's after Russell Slade oh Ollie Solskjaer <laughs> yeah Man United didn't need to be fair he did but he's the exception that proves the rule really isn't he yeah he works, his mates he's played for United yeah, yeah. And he didn't exactly set the world on fire did he no and I think he's a bigger and better certainly bigger yeah uh, <laughs> Uh, it is mad though. Like I saw that tweet and it, it was a bit of a oh, a, yeah, a bit of a thinker. Point. Yeah, you're like, it's so true. It's like I hate that we mentioned seem to mention Sonji a lot, but like that is a good example, right? Managers came in and they, they kind of got poached and they moved up. 
Was it so Martinez to Wigan, Rogers to Liverpool? Um, Paulo Sosa, I didn't realize this has managed Flamengo in recent years. Like it, it's just it's just really interesting. I think like people people come in at other clubs, they establish a certain type of football, and then they kind of move on where another club looks at it and kind of goes, "Oh, that that would suit us." But that just hasn't happened with us at all, really. And it's, yeah, that's quite a depressing thought that we people just come to us and just level off or get worse. <laughs> like it, God. Anyway, um, Hudson. How, how many of them are actually still managing? Dave Harris is, Dave, jo- is. Dave Jones isn't. Solskjaer isn't at the moment. Gabs and Scott Young never went into management. Russell Slade's had every other job and even managed to get himself sacked from Hereford. Paul Trollock went back to be an assistant. Warnock retired. And Mick McCarthy and Steve Morrison still haven't got the clubs. Harris is the only one, isn't he? Because he's at Gillingham. He's at yeah. Gillingham. I think he's, he's clinging on with the, by the... the his fingernails at the moment. I think they lost again yesterday. Malky's at, is he at Ross County? Ross County, yeah. yeah. Ross County. He did all right with them, I think, last year, but this year they're not doing great. Um, yeah, it's just, it is crazy just how. Interestingly, just... I was reading about Ross County today. I didn't realize they were so far up Scotland. I thought it was like close to Edinburgh. But no, it's no, 50 miles right, away. Dingwall right, yeah, is, islands, is them and Inverness are basically the, the furthest two north clubs, I think. Yeah. Which is interesting. They've got a Tesco Superstore, though, in, in Dingwall, so if you're interested. Um, David Balmont, Ben, this is a question. I, I, I don't know why I picked this question. Uh, my mum has really bad bunions. Does anyone know any decent remedies? No. Okay. <laughs> I, David, I mean, consult a doctor. We're, we're just a podcast about Cardiff City. I'm surprised Ben didn't say put ketchup and barbecue sauce on them. Yeah, and get that's my parents look, to shave them that's, down. That's how they look after you've uh, walked like two miles with them. Oh, um, John T. Williams, uh, Mr. Rome- Romeo, he made a difference here in the second half. Felt sorry for Sang, thought he did okay, but Romeo is something else. Rodri, I'll, just, I'll ask this one, you, Ben, because I think you might have an opinion on it. What's the best drink in the world and why is it Disarono and Coke? It's good. It tastes like Dr. Pepper, as our friend Smith always says. Uh-huh. Um, what I like is Tom hasn't got a clue who Smith is. I'm the youngest on this pod, and I am the one who's least in touch with the Ute, as I saw graffiti somewhere the Ute, today. The Ute tube culture. Mm. Um, what, what's your favourite spirit and mixer drink then, Ben? I, I bet you're a rum and coke man. Spiced rum and coke, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. I could I could tell that. Um, Tom, you're I, a rum and I, coke I, man as well. I am now, yeah, because I completely ruined Disarono and Coke for myself in uni, because it was the cheapest alcohol in Lidl. Um, and yeah, I, I can't face it anymore. So yeah, I, I'm yeah spiced rum, but I don't I don't really go onto spirits and mixers very often. He's so lager t- and slags all night. He is. <laughs> I don't really make it. To, I don't really make it to the night very often now either. <laughs> <laughs> no, you yeah, you classic disappearing act yesterday, Tom. Uh, yeah, I got taxi home at nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Phil Bushby great win yesterday on to more serious matters but how about some time too for the women's teams all three sit at the top of their respective leagues and could be a big season for them all um, I will make an admission here that I do think it's one of our biggest downfalls that we don't talk enough about the women's teams and I think that's just and I, I just have my bandwidth is with work and everything at the moment has been so short that I can't dedicate much time to anything else really. And I do think we should do that. So maybe we'll give them the respect they deserve over the next couple of weeks and have a proper conversation about them because they're smashing at the moment. I keep seeing the results come up on Twitter, Ben, and they're doing a brilliant job, aren't they? They are. And they're playing some nice stuff. The highlights always pop up on YouTube and I give them a watch and they're doing really well. It's scoring some cracking goals as well. So yeah, it's, um, 
yeah, we did actually speak about it before the season started, saying we wanted to give it a bit more coverage, but life's a bit hectic for a lot of people at the moment. It's just, yeah, it's tough to keep on track of that as well. So we will and do also, what we should do better to cover the women's. Yeah, we should do better. So we'll, we'll, we'll make more of an effort. It's a good suggestion, Thurman. Thank you. Um, Sam Hill, oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Great to see him back in yesterday's game. Gives us so much energy and quality down that right side in both attack and defence. Overall, solid performance from the Boyds. Villagine producing the quality he's got in the locker, much needed. Welsh Wiz, still not good enough up front. Harris is not a goal-scoring striker. Hudson is still learning, but not sure. Rather than crap. So if we had lost or drawn, I'm sure our wonderful board would have sacked him. Tom, Josh Morrill, are we awesome again now? Need some positivity after last week's pod. Are we awesome again? Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? I, I, honestly, <laughs> like I said earlier on, it's going to be so up and down, and I, I, I feel quite guilty of it. I'm, like I just one minute I'm, I am looking at us, oh, way how far away from the playoffs, and and then I'm looking at relegation. But no, it was a really, really solid performance, and yeah, yeah, let's say we're awesome again. Uh, Adam Tibbs, football stadium, merry-go-round. What are your early bird picks for what stadium we'll play Coventry at in December? I'm going for the best, Scott. Ben, have you got any guess, Scott? I think you can you can stick with that one. Yeah. Um, I think they've been everywhere, so I think they should end up playing at Spitty Park. Spitty Park. Tom, where would you like to see Coventry play? The Moon? <laughs> um, I don't know. I've never, I've never been to Walsall, so yeah, I wouldn't mind it being there. Honestly, I know that I go past it all the time when you go on that motorway. Yeah. And I look at it, I go, God, I do you want to go there one day for football match? So I'd be quite happily at the Bescott. Oh, sorry, the Poundland Bescott Stadium. Um, they don't pay that sponsorship money for nothing. Uh, Chris the Bluebird, based on the 45 minutes on the field, has Romeo earned himself a starting place? Ben, I mean, it feels like Romeo was just going to come back in when he's properly fit, right? Because he is our first choice right back. Yeah, 100%. He's been the most consistent player we've had this season. If he's fit, he plays. And that, again, that's not a knock on Sang, but. He's a proper right back that's doing exactly what we need of him. And he seems to be in unbelievable form before his injury. So, yeah, he's straight back in the side for me. Um, Gareth Entercott, what was the new walk-on music? Wasn't very clear from when I was sitting. I never know what the walk-on music is. Um, ben, it was Triple H the game recently, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think it was whatever <laughs> that song that is at the stadium is whatever yeah. to each week, so... I got into an argument on Twitter about the walk-on uh, music we play at the ground recently, so I try and steer clear of these debates because someone will tell me that what I thought was wrong, what I, th- what I heard every week was wrong. So um, I don't want to talk about it. Someone said it was Liam Gallagher, but honestly, I couldn't tell you. The, the PA system at the club is so bad, even though they've tried fixing it like three times. I can barely tell. I can recognise the first chord of Motorhead, and after that, <laughs> I don't understand anything that's coming through that speaker. Um, Tom, this one's for you because you're a big lunch uh, meal deal fan. Uh, Mike Hancock, people who get just ham sandwiches with a meal deal deserve capital punishment. Um, that's just a comment. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I'm glad the Christmas sandwiches are out now. I had my first one this week. I had a good turkey and trimmings. Where, where, where from? Tesco, I had it from. Good. Um, yeah. No, it's decent, decent stuff. So, probably my favorite time of year, the Christmas sandwich season. Um, all right, next week, lads. A quest for you all try a different Christmas sandwich this week um, and then we'll have a little talk about it next week um, Christmas Meal Deal Corner uh, Bluebirds past Ben this one's for you uh, do you reckon we should have won by, we would have won by more if Robertson was up top yesterday also a Tete should have been given 20 or 30 minutes rather than three it wasn't Harris's day what do you say to that it wasn't Harris's day I agree to both of those um, yeah he's Premier League quality but it just was that he seemed to do anything but score all, all three of them just at times just made it so much more complicated um, I was glad to see, uh, you know, Tete, he looks like a marionette puppet. I think we need to see more of him. Yeah, I just, I genuinely want to see more of him just so I can actually make a decision if he does run like a puppet. 
Oh, so. he does. It looks like someone's pulling his knees up like that. It's really funny. So yeah, um, yeah, you are right. He should have played more. Um, yeah, I was for Blue right, not me. Well, you might be right as well. I'm not saying it's not. I've got to make a firm judgment. I've not seen enough film to say 100 if he does run like a puppet. I think it says a lot that he's not coming on to the 92nd yeah. minute when yeah. Harris is having a game like that, and that's my fear. I think you know he hasn't looked impressive in any game really. Like he, he's missed sitters of headers and things like that, and I don't know. I think it'd be good to see him to have a run in the team, but yeah, I'm I'm not convinced yet. Is our number nine shirt cursed? <laughs> it does feel like that. Because, I mean, literally, since Kenny Miller wore it, it's been downhill. Etienne Velocogna, Cornelius, um, who else has worn it? Was Lafondra nine? Danny Ward. Danny Ward, probably the most successful out of a lot of them. That says That's, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Was Lafondra nine or was he ten for us? I thought he was like fourteen or something. I can't. Oh, remember. Kenwin Jones was. Kenwin Jones was nine. Nine when he yeah. So yeah. it's 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 been getting hit, worse. Hit and miss. Yeah. Underwhelming. Fred Godongby is <laughs> right up there for shockers. Um, George LCCFC. The disbelief in the board shouldn't be slowed down thanks to one win against average side. We're still in the crisis and the plan is non-existent. Feels like the club is only looking as far as the next game instead of looking for a manager. We hear. Tom Lang, we've been saying all year that if it clicks, someone will get a kick in from us. Can't help but feel that was the game yesterday. Would have been a huge confidence boost for us to go and get four or five on them. Feel like we should have second half. Looked like we had a bit of intent finally. James Roberts, fair play to Hudson. Half-time's Half-time stuff has made a massive difference. Should have scored a lot more. I think it's fair to say if Rotherham are our relegation rivals, we'll be okay. They were the worst team I've seen down the CCS in a long time. Nathan L. CCFC. While it's still divide... No, sorry, that's the wrong question. How many points are we getting in the four games before the World Cup? Anything north of five would be a good return. IMO. I'm going to go six, Ben. I'd be happy with five from the fixtures. Tom? I think we'll get four. Ooh, four, five, six. Good counting. Um, Gareth Dunning while it still divides opinion a little and I fully get the debate are we not a better and more solid team with NG at centre-back with Kipre both are calm and composed yes they have a great partnership fully agree with that um, Matthew Andrews we'll pass this on to the club beer down the ground is too expensive and the food is shite um, <laughs> agree Kieran, with that Kieran Edward do you, oh, it's just it's so expensive but shit beer as well Kieran Edward, do you think we need to play Baggin at left back? I don't think Nkunku is a great defensively. Why isn't Baggin playing in the first team? Uh, Tom, do you think Baggin's not playing in the first team just because he's not good enough? Yeah, I feel like he got he had a few good games for us. Like, there's some really good performances in there, but it was because we had no one else. I, I I don't think you know we were heavily relying on him at one point, and he did seem a little bit too raw for Overawed, it. Overawed, yeah, yeah. So. I think, yeah, again, like the Atete one, I think the lack of minutes for him is probably a sign he, that he has, think he's good enough. He has been injured. That might be a good... I think he's, yeah, only, fair. he's only, I think he's only played 60 minutes for the, uh, for the under-21s uh, under this year. So, um, for me, he comes back in. I just Do you reckon? For me, uh, every, since every team are attackers on the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Konku's just... He doesn't do he doesn't do enough going forward to justify how weak he is defensively. So for me, you make if it as soon as Baggins fit and ready to play first team football for me, he comes back in and he's got that left back position till the new year and we look to bring someone else in. And the final question on this week's uh, Twitter section was from Oliver Reese. If all three members of the VFTM pod took over the club, what would be the first thing you'd do in charge? Ben Price, you've got the nod for head of catering, apparently. So um, are you introducing barbecue sauce kebabs? 
taking that all day. Yep, kebab and chips yeah. and pub, your sauce and ketchup all around. Vegan option a, as well. Not I'm how much are you charging? I think six quid. It's a fair amount for like a medium, sort of like a decent sized one. All right, Tom, do you think six quid? I mean, I don't know what, what job would you do? Do you want to be head of catering, Ben? You can have another job. I'll say head of catering, yeah. Sod it. Tom? Uh, I, I want to be in the mu- doing the music. I want to do the pre-match playlist. Uh, I think that's as far as I could probably go in the club, to be honest. All right. Um, the first thing I would do is uh, actually have an engagement strategy for the community around us. Oh, serious than... answer. <laughs> All right. Um, manager, because I think I'd be good at it. <laughs> there we go. See you later, Mark Hudson. I'm in charge. Um, and I just I, I sign all my mates, and everyone could get a professional footballer's career for a season. Um, well, thanks I for all the Twitter questions. Every fan a professional contract for a week. I, the first thing I would do in charge, that's what I'd do. I'd make a lottery so that a, one fan every week got a chance to be a professional said footballer. This before, I'm sure you I'm have. pretty sure I have. Yeah, as I was saying that. Yeah. yeah, so literally, like, you know, if you're a season ticket holder, you, it's literally like, have you seen Series 7, The Contenders, that old film about, like, there's a lottery in America where they pick six numbers out and they all have to kill each other? It's like that, but you get to be a professional footballer for a week. Yeah, you get bigger crowds. Yeah, exactly. Buy a season ticket, you'll probably get a week-long contract, and if they're good enough, we'll sign them proper. Ben's stunned. Stunned into silence. <laughs> but it's nice, it was more just... There's detail going into this. Like I, I've not, I've had like thirty seconds to think about what I do as head of cater, and you're 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 auctioning players and then putting them to the death. I think as well at some stage. No, I don't, there's no death involved. Um, no, you sat there and had this conversation in the house, haven't you, over and over again? No, that's actually the first time I verbalised it. That's a shower thought. That is. That's yeah. <laughs> at my six in the morning, stood under the shower, just half six, mate. Are you kidding me? I shower right. at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, if I, if I remember, if where this idea came from, I'm pretty sure I dreamt it, <laughs> I, and I dreamt that I became, a, you know, like a classic. I became a professional football for a week at Cardiff. They were so impressed with me. They signed me up, and yada yada yada. Maybe there's like a, a TV show in this. There's, there's at the very least a straight to DVD movie. Yeah, starring Joe Wilkinson somewhere because he's all over anything football related at the moment. <laughs> anyway, uh, twitter.com forward slash VFTNinian for your Twitter questions. Uh, we always put a call out, reply to that tweet with your Twitter question or comment, and we tend to read them out as we have just done. Right, two games this week. Tom Phillips, Watford and Sunderland. Um, Watford are coming back into form. They battered Luton last week. They beat Wigan yesterday with a, a plucky 1-0 win at the DW. Bilic has come in and, you know, he's their, what, 18th manager of the season and seems to be making uh, making waves there. It, it's a big test, isn't it? Watford are a, a decent side with decent players. Yeah, for sure. Like, they've kept a, a hold of some unbelievable... What, Joe Pedro? Player. Yeah, it's, it's mad, really, like, people playing at this level. But, you know, these are the games that we've done okay in this year. When the good teams have come down to Cardiff, we've we've pulled off the odd result, you know, like West, uh, well, they're not a good team, are they? But like Burnley, yeah. Norwich, you know, we, there's decent performances um, there where we sit back, absorb pressure and catch them on the break. So, I, I you know, they left it late against Wigan. I think it was 87th minute to get a 1-0 yeah. win there. They created very little. I think they only had a couple of shots on target. And, you know, we have been, fa- when we've got 11 men on the field, we've been fairly solid at the back. So, you know, we might, I, I still expect us to lose this game, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if we managed to do get a result from it. It's a bit of a free hit, isn't it, Ben? Um, are you bringing Romeo back in? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 
Um, I think the team that's finished the pit game is the one that I, well, minus Atete, sorry, I forgot you came Whoa, on. Well, you said it now, Atete's starting, mate. Yeah. We're in charge I, of the club now. I need to see if he runs like a Masonette puppy. Puppy? Puppy. Say that, start that again, marionette puppet. Marionette, I said Masonette puppy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't know what that is. Close. Not a dog house, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, I need to see if he runs like one of them. Um, so yeah, he starts and gets the full 90 minutes for an in-depth analysis. That's what I do. It's, it's you know, you've got sports analysis within the club. You'd have running analysis. I literally just sat there just judging what people run like. <laughs> Mark <laughs> Harris, you run a bit like a, a, a scurrying beaver. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I couldn't, I literally, I really struggled that. That came out the recesses, of, the darkest recesses of my mind. Um, Wednesday night game, uh, Tom feels a bit like the Champions League, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's <laughs> going to feel like that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, on, the, on the, go on. It's on until you say it. Oh, fine. I was just saying, I do like a night game better than <laughs> it's such a boring point. And then no, you felt it up. Good. Oh, it's all, nice when it's under the lights, isn't it? And all I was going to say was it's on the sky red button. <laughs> oh, there we go. This is good podcasting. This is informative. It's like the the podcast equivalent of SEO. What time is the Cardiff game on, or where can I watch it? Um, ben, looking ahead to next Saturday, it's Sunderland away. Um, it's a long trip because Sunderland is a long way away, and there's no trains on. It's a train strike. Yeah, um, fully support anyone going on strike before, yep. before anyone moans about that. Fully support it. So, but that's a I fully support it, except for when it really inconveniences me. <laughs> it's me, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm furious. Yeah, I had some coffee beans in the post for like four days longer than I really wanted. And yeah. I was desperate and sort of. <laughs> like, I, I really like to think I'm like fully support of any strikes, like people pushing for fear, for pay, for fear, pain, all for it. But yeah. When I'm getting up for work and I've got, a, there's no coffee in my coffee machine. I did become like very like right. Pass me the Daily Mail. Um, very Julia Hartley for Yeah, this is this has got to end right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, fair play to anyone making that trip. But I think we sold we sold over half our allocation. I think so far. So there's a lot people, of people going. Some people seem to like those trips, and I think they're the ones you yeah. sort of make a day of it. Or I, I know a few people have gone up and having a weekend. They'll make Newcastle. a weekend of it. You, like yeah. I think flights to flights to Newcastle aren't super expensive. Um, well, they aren't from London, but um, I think a lot of people. You can't, you can't fly. Of, I don't think you can fly to Newcastle from Cardiff. No. Oh, you can't. You, no, you can't. This, no. this, I, we looked. This is a random tangent, but in work the other day, we were looking at how many flights can go, how many places can go from Cardiff. How many is it? Go on, let me have a guess. Thirteen. 11 places you can fly to from Cardiff Airport. Where to? Um, most, yeah, Amsterdam, Paris, um, and then some stop in like October and stuff like that. But like a lot of them are internal. So like Dublin, um, although Dublin's not internal. I was about to say that. I'm not uh, starting con- that. Controversial. <laughs> um, Belfast and Edinburgh. And it's just, yeah. Can you, is it still a hub? I, I mean, this is really off topic, but is it still a hub for Emirates Air? No, it was Doha. Qatar. They put no. So, sorry, Qatar, Qatar. Qatar, yeah, so Qatar Airways, but no, they pulled out um, just before COVID. So they, there's no way you can go. You can go to. But well, no, there's eleven places you can go. You fly to Amsterdam and then you change and you go everywhere in the world. That's the way they market it. And Dublin's the same. Dublin, you can pre-clear American immigration in Dublin. There we go. What the fuck are you on this for? <laughs> Um, way, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, back to Sunderland and then we can round off because we are going down a rabbit hole here. Um, Tom, we talk about teams being inconsistent. Sunderland in the last five, lost three, won one, drawn one. 
Um, Sunderland feels like more of a marker of where we are in the table, doesn't it? I think they are a place above us. Feels like a similar a team in a similar trajectory to us. Yeah, like I'd be disappointed if we lose away at Sunderland. I think we've got to be aiming for at least a point there. I, I probably would be happy with a point. I think I think mm-hmm. any away trip like that, you come away with anything, you've got to you've got to be happy. But yeah, um, they seem like you said very much our level. So no, I, I'm I'm hoping for a really good performance against them just to you know set that stall out a bit and just see where we are. Right, predictions. Uh, I'm going to go one all draw Watford, 2-0 win at Sunderland, Ben. Two all draw at Watford and a 1-0 win at Sunderland. Tom? 1-0 loss, Watford, one all draw, Sunderland. Very good, very good. And that runs off another episode of The View from the Ninian. Hooray, hooray. Ben, what was your favourite bit? Um, I, I like the airport discussion, to be honest. Oh, um, oh no, Tom. What was your favourite bit? <laughs> uh, I think when Ben said that Bergstaller was a furniture maker in Chorley. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Um, Even top ten worst shots I've had this year on this pod. <laughs> yeah, not this week either. Um, <laughs> and that's it. Another classic view from the Ninian in the books. Uh, people will be talking about this episode for a long time. I can feel it. Um, Twitter.com forward slash the FT Ninian if you want to get involved in any of our stupidity. Uh, Kofi.com forward slash the FT Ninian if you want to put some money towards the pod. Thank you to the very generous Gonzo McKenzie. Uh, friend of the pod who um, put some great money in the Kofi account this week. Um, that will pay for another holiday for me. Um, <laughs> um, thanks again for everyone who listened. Uh, we really do appreciate the support. Ben, any final words? Uh, love you, Gonzo. Uh, Tom, do you want to wrap that episode up with a sound? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. See you all next week. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the Ninian With views from the Ninian Not shoes from the Ninian The view from the Ninian